Chapter 10, Sacrifice This journey continues now with so many. Mother and father, God and goddess, new gender identity roles, LBGTQ, androgynous beings, interspecies, intergalactic beings. What a large array and expression of human emergence and evolution. Perhaps we are all simply adapting species, ever-changing, not living too often in the world of better or best, bad or worse. I'm gratefully shocked when I read the history of the planet, reminding myself of the minuscule place for current humanity. I continue in the inquiry around the roots of war and peace, aware so many scholars and mythologists must have a better sense. And still, I have to ask, when did the fight with the other versus appreciation become the way? The latest account I read of this takes us back to the Neanderthal, others to time as recent as agriculture. Then there is the patriarchy, ownership, me, my, mine. Whether it was settlers putting up fences in Payuhunadu, where I now live, blocking the flow of tribal peoples with water, animals, or land, or something even much earlier, even earlier than the Garden of Eden, One thing that comes to me from my own life experience is that my dad died sad. My mom, too. It was not simply the grief of saying goodbye to loved ones. The grief was, it seemed to me, much bigger. For my dad, like so many, he seemed to inherit or have an innate instinct towards making it to the top to being the sun god, taking care, even protecting the woman, his family, making them proud. In his world and era, that translated as essential financial success. And he worked his way from a runner doing the errands of a Wall Street company to become chair of the board. A.J. Coyle, or Bud, as he was known by the many who loved him, was just for a while the success picture he was raised to be. And then, as shared earlier, in one year, he lost it all, or so it appeared. The firm he had built collapsed in the backroom chaos of switching to computers. Money was lost, titles and status. Along with that, My mom divorced him. My grandma disowned him. His brother, in the Wall Street stock market depression, shot himself. Without family or the home he worked so hard to build, his life overnight downsized to a hotel room in New York City. I remember visiting him once a month during my freshman year in college, as well as him often coming to see me. Admits the din of cigarette smoke and scotch, I still found his heart, 
a twinkle in his eye, encouraging me to be everything I was here to be. And his heart, though open in sacred moments, I could still tell was broken, closed, contracted if not confused. I heard him asking, what, if anything, really mattered? What now? I remember being fearful he would follow in the path of my uncle, his brother, and find a bullet or pills some way out. He stayed close by in my heart, if not physically, all of the time, walking I felt with his soul, asking him not to leave. My world as I had grown up to imagine and create, a la the cultural norms, pretty much ended in 1978 when I was in those late 20s. It was the darkest of times, as I described herein earlier. And yet through it, I had found, or I should say a new life had found me. Here, however, was my dad, much later in life, now somewhat left with nothing he had devoted himself to. What rite of passage was possible for him? What healing, reframing, rebirth? Many years later, after he remarried and resettled in a small condominium, he had his big passage with a hospice woman from Jamaica. During his last hours in Florida, I was far away in a ceremony in Pine Ridge with 13 indigenous grandmothers. It was a big choice to stay and complete something with them I had begun. I felt current with Dad. He had stopped eating almost at the same time our journey began. I called Joyce, his caretaker, and spoke with her. How long do you think? How is he? Should I come? It was mine to listen, to know where to be and what was mine to do. Being at the side of my mother when she had died had been one of the most meaningful moments, perhaps, of my life. And now here was my dad. Would it not be similar? The answer that came to stay with the grandmothers was clear. And that night, in a blessing around a large fire, Grandmother Margaret somehow connected me to the stars, the universe, the infinity in a new way. Looking up at one moment, knowing only a little of my story, she turned and said, There is your family. There is your father. The words I had heard before, Father Sky, held new meaning. The next morning, after I had completed the meeting I had been invited to do, I ran and changed my ticket and headed for the airport. I would not stay for the Sundance I had looked forward to. Now, clearly, was the time to fly east. At the airport in Rapid City, I called my dad. He was weak but present. I told him I was coming. My sister had just left his side. My brother was nearby, and Joyce was taking care. 
on some level, such a strange setup to hire people to tend at the most intimate moments, birth and death. Certainly not the way of many people's, but definitely one of my dad's culture and his choice. He had tried assisted living. He had never considered living with anyone else since his wife Betty had died earlier that year. He was quite ill long before she left, and yet it was almost out of respect the way he had been brought up that he waited for her to pass. Now it was his time, and he had set it up to be as easy as possible. After hanging up the payphone at the airport, I went and sat back down in the airport lounge. Rita, surprisingly, was there, the grandmother from far north of Turtle Island. She needed to leave early as well, and I had a moment to say hello and goodbye again. She gifted me with medicine craft and story, along with a holding of hands that I needed most. Again, in a knowing of what to do simply came, and I quickly returned to the phone booth. I called my father back to say, I love you. I'm with you. There's no need to wait, Dad, if you're ready to go. I will be in the sky, flying to you. I will meet you there. When I landed after a four-hour flight, my father had passed over. The next morning, Wynne and I had breakfast with Joyce. She shared all she could with Story, a few things in particular standing out. In the last hours, he had apparently grown increasingly agitated. She asked, What's the matter, bud? You're soon going to be with Betty. You've lived a good life. You're ready to go. It was then that my dad had said, No, you don't know the things I've done. Joyce assured him with her Christian faith that the Lord God would forgive any and all and that he would be welcomed in heaven. After quite a back and forth, she offered to be in prayer with him, something my dad had formally given up years before. Joyce kept nudging. I don't pray, he told her. She responded, Don't you believe you will be forgiven? No, he said. And then she told us, she asked again, Let's pray. With such confidence, I am sure that Dad could not resist. And Joyce prayed, holding my dad's hand, for forgiveness, she prayed, for a good passage, for a life ever after, I am sure. As she told us the story, her smile grew large. And then she said, I finished and asked, Okay, bud, is it okay? My dad responded, Well, it's okay but I think we better do it just one more time. Just enough, says my favorite t-shirt, 
just enough love, care, time. Or maybe it should say, just in time. I was so grateful for Joyce, for what had happened, knowing truly that she was the right guide in the right moment with the love and healing needed. And even if it might have looked better to have all the family gathered around, I deeply suspect this small moment of grace would not have happened. The next days we stayed at my dad's apartment. There was not much to inherit in the traditional realm of things, but more importantly, there were the memories to return. Dad was the one who had let me play football when a girl, who asked to hear my dreams, my politics, and my concerns. He was the one who I called when I decided to hit the streets protesting and co-lead the strike against the Vietnam War when in college. I was risking expulsion and all he had worked so many years to pay for. And still, even though he did not understand it being a Nixon man himself, he still understood my need on another level. His heart, after the break, would open to many just enough to keep company, but never again to the depth of vulnerability and intimacy we had touched before the crash. I remember one particular lunch, his way of meeting when I traveled across the country to visit, a father-daughter rendezvous. I attempted one of my meaningful conversations, and he reached over the table, put his hand on my arm, and said, Jeej, I like to keep it superficial. Ha, we might say, laugh and cry at such a statement. But the bottom line, it was his truth, as best he could share it. And for that, I appreciated him. After that, I changed my way of being with him when in front of Fox News and Bill O'Reilly in the evening visits. I somehow came to accept his need for protection, for not talking about the past or too much, actually, about anything. He had created a new life with Betty, traveling a bit, living in her apartment, fishing, eating hot dogs at Christmas on the beach instead of turkey at Nana's table. He had spent years paying off fines, taxes, IRS, and investors as best he could. Despite his public failure and visible losses, he was still loved and respected by so many. And maintaining that all somehow seemed enough, just enough, until he started to lose his eyesight and get cancer along with his wife. That was enough. I came to see the TV in front of us as the third, even God, if you will, rather than the enemy keeping us apart. Somehow, with Bill O'Reilly preaching, Dad felt safer to even sit in others' company. He certainly knew my feelings about our country, our world, 
any and all of the isms were very, very different. On some level, my dad voted, behaved, perceived, and embodied most of what I was protesting against. He knew, and I knew. And still, we found a way to sit side by side on just the right occasions. During those last years, not long before he died, I announced that I was getting married at age 54. What a gift that was for him to hear. In his cultural view, even with his living through and with my feminism, somehow I still needed a mate in his eyes to be whole. He met Wynne and had a sense I might have some of that protection and care he had tried to provide. And though that was not quite the way I or even we held our relationship, the fight with the father, the king, the sun god had shifted. I was whole enough to not take up every battle, to know that dad's opinions were not going to change in certain areas. And thank God he was not hurting anyone that I could see with those opinions. Complicit, yes, in today's terms, and innocent in his. More as he was in hospice with his own life, he was, as I see it, part of a larger system that was and is dying. Or so I hope, pray, and work for. Old, white, western men are now the endangered species I often wonder if any felt the Roman Empire was falling as it was. So many civilizations falling as the decadence, the extraction reaches an all-time high. Did any have a sense of what percentage of humans would remain or who they would be in our ever-changing histories over millions of years? I read something last evening that gave me a continually needed perspective. Quote, The end of the Permian marks great mass extinction of life on Earth. Somewhere in the order of 30 to 50 percent of life in the oceans may have disappeared at this time for reasons that still remain uncertain. End quote. Not that I am without anger, fear, grief, and even fear, yes, in moments of knowing and contributing to global warming as I and we are doing on this planet. And not that I am without sadness, knowing the dolphins I released back into the wild are actually living in a more toxic environment now than even perhaps in the tank they lived for years in Redwood City. Not that I am unaware or without care about the racism, sexism, and ignorance still within my cells, my bones being raised in the mainstream of white Western culture. It is actually this feeling, the feeling of that all and more, that I wake with each day. It is why I ask and discover 
simply what is mine to do and where am I to be? Walking simply with the prayer, how am I to be part of the healing, the balance, the change, the love, the truth, the adaptation and release of dolphins, of humans, Is co-liberation, as I hear my youngers demand, possible? How am I, are we, living into this story?